how are you now? <laughs> how are you now? Um, I don't know when you're listening to this. I could say, uh, you know, on this wonderful Saturday night or maybe, you know, Sunday morning. Um, there's not a whole lot of time to listen to this one, really, because the Habs have another game uh, on Sunday afternoon. Um an early one, obviously, I don't know. I think they were trying to not compete with the NFL playoffs. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm guessing that's what it is anyways. But, um, yeah, not a lot of time to listen to this one, so um, maybe nobody will even listen to it. Who knows? But your Montreal Canadiens lose 2-1 to one to the New York Islanders in New York, or in Brooklyn, I guess, is where they technically play, isn't it? Maybe they're the Brooklyn Islanders. Should rename them or some shit. Um... <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am apathetic about that one. Um, I'm not upset. Um, I didn't even feel like they played that bad. Honestly, uh, the Islanders with that win moved into a playoff spot in the East. If I was the Islanders, I'd be looking at that game and I'd be like, why didn't we stomp them? And I'll get to that, right? Because there's a couple of reasons why this should have been maybe a more ugly loss for the Montreal Canadiens, but it wasn't. Um, So there's not really much reason to be upset on that one. Now, um, there is reason to be upset about the start for the Montreal Canadiens. Let's get into the recap. Um, We saw in the previous game, after the P.K. Subban speech, they came out like a bat out of hell, uh, just flying, right? Playing very inspired, um, aggressive hockey, and we saw the complete polar opposite uh, in their opening period in New York there. A uh, lot of trouble clearing the fucking zone. Uh, they couldn't get the puck out to save their lives. Never mind gain the other zone. Uh, the Islanders were very aggressive in the neutral zone. Um, and the Habs just couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. And then, of course, a couple minutes in, Samuel Montembeau, uh, he's playing in net again uh, with Jake Allen out. And he tries to make a clear, and it doesn't work. He gets back into his net, but the puck goes to Noah Dobson at the point. He takes a shot. Casey Sezikis gets a piece of it on the way, and it goes in. one nothing for the Islanders. A few minutes later, this time we have a face-off in the offensive zone, so it wasn't really a product of them not being able to clear the zone, but still sloppy in-zone play. Scott Mayfield takes a shot at the point. It gets stopped, but Anthony Beauvillier gets the rebound and puts it in untouched to make it 2 nothing. David Savard, for whatever reason, was skating into the slot to go help Nick Suzuki, who was all over, I forget who it was, Suzuki was all over his man, and David Savard, for whatever reason, decides to skate into the slot instead of covering the guy that was coming off on the right post uh, to go and get the rebound. I don't know what he was doing, but, you know, some elite defending from David Savard there, and it's 2 nothing for the Islanders. Now, as that period went on, uh, the Habs did get better. Uh, they even got quite a few chances in that period as well. Uh, but Ilya Sorokin was was magnificent in net for the Islanders. He's been very good this entire season for them. And, yeah, it was going to take a better effort than that to, to get one past him. And they didn't have it. So 2 nothing is your score at the end of one. Now, at the very end of that period, with two seconds left on the clock, they had a uh, face-off at center ice. Okay? And Jake Evans goes out to take the face-off. And he's up against Brock Nelson, and just a freak accident happens, right? They tie up for the faceoff, and Puck kind of skittles away, and Brock Nelson falls kind of over top of Jake Evans a little bit and lands on his leg. And you see Jake Evans tense up immediately when the weight of Brock Nelson falls on his outstretched leg, and it, it looks like a knee issue. 
definitely looks like an injury to his, I think his left, yeah, his left knee. Um, he was grimacing. He was not able to put very much weight, if any at all, on that leg. And he had to get helped off the ice, and he did not return to that game. So the Habs now playing the rest of this game, 40 more minutes, with uh, 10 forwards. Uh, not ideal. They move into a rotation where they're kind of moving guys up and down in the lineup, like Jesse Alonin got a couple of shifts on the top line. Jonathan Drouin was playing on the top line. They, they had people playing all over the place. They had to move Kirby Dock to center, of course, um, for the majority of the rest of the game, uh, just out of necessity at that point. So... This is where I get into, you know, the Islanders should have really curb stomped the Montreal Canadiens because they just lost one of their best defensive centers on the team. So I got to hand it to Montreal for keeping this game close for the remainder of it because playing with only 10 forwards and being down arguably your best defensive center, um, not ideal. Definitely not an easy way to play the remainder of the game. Uh, the second period was, it was a wash. It was kind of, I don't think anybody, I, I would say maybe the Islanders had the better period. They had the better scoring chances, but Samuel Montembeau was good. Um, Ilya Sorokin was good at the other end. There wasn't a whole lot of scoring opportunities in general, never mind for either team in that period. It was pretty tightly played. Uh, you really saw in that period how aggressive the Islanders were in the neutral zone. The Habs got uh, power play opportunities, but even on the penalty kill the islanders are so aggressive in the neutral zone it's like if you have the puck in the neutral zone or if the puck's loose in the neutral zone they are very aggressively pursuing it and then as soon as you get in the offensive zone they're a little bit more passive but that aggression in the neutral zone really made it difficult for the habs to to get anything going right if they were able to actually establish you know a a better transition game through that neutral zone they might have had some better opportunities against Sorokin, but for the most part, they struggled just moving the puck through the middle of the ice. And that was kind of the difference in that second period, uh, which makes me say that, you know, maybe the Islanders had a bit of a better second period. Although, again, it was a wash. We still go into the third with the same score, 2 nothing for the Islanders. And it's more of the same in the third. You know, very aggressive neutral zone checking by the Islanders. Uh, Habs not able to generate too much, but about... You know, a minute or two past the midway point. We got about eight minutes and change left to play in the game. We get an opportunity for the Montreal Canadiens, and they cash in on it. Nick Suzuki with a nice entry pass to Jonathan Drouin. Again, him playing up on that top line in the rotation there uh, in the stead of Jake Evans and with them only having 10 forwards. And Drouin with a really nice return pass. So they work a little bit of a give-and-go on the entry there. Gets back to Nick Suzuki. He cuts in. He's got two guys all over him. Um, I forget who it was. Somebody was going hands over hands with him as well. But he manages to, just with big Nick energy, will that puck into the net on the backhand past Ilya Sorokin. And it's 2-1. to one. The Habs have life. They would pull Samuel Montembeau for the extra attacker, but it was nothing doing. Um, I think the Islanders honestly came closer to scoring than the Habs did. And 2-1, there's your final. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki Season 2 is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Whew. Um, again, 
I can't be upset about this one because realistically, after losing your best defensive center, arguably your best defensive center, um, I would have expected them to get shelled and and destroyed from from that point on. Especially after going down two nothing in the first period, um, you got 40 more minutes to play with only 10 forwards and your best defensive centers out of the game. That's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for a 9-1, you know, laugher. But that didn't happen. Uh, they managed to stick with them. Um, I, I kind of like this Islanders team. I like this better than the Barry Trotz Islanders anyways. You know, the Barry Trotz Islanders always trapping, always neutral zone trapping. And they used to do that stupid, bloody, annoying um, uh, 2-1-2 that they used to run in the defensive zone where they're just hunting two-on-ones. They're trying to, like, bait you to go up to the point so that they can try to intercept passes. And last year, uh, I mean, the Shams Habs just walked into that trap constantly they had no idea how to get past that one three one that they were running in the neutral zone either um it was incredibly annoying so this this new islanders team i kind of like watching the games against them it was actually pretty entertaining overall not a lot of offense but uh you saw some good goaltending and um and you saw some tight checking in the neutral zone which honestly for for a longtime hockey fan it's it's kind of fun to watch at times um and the habs lost which i guess is good for the tank um not good for my mental health because they started like absolute dog shit. But, um, you know, I, I guess I can get over that. The overall game wasn't that bad. This is a playoff team right now, apparently, in the New York Islanders. They are in a playoff spot right now. And the Habs played them almost to a draw. That's not that bad. Um, so let's get to your silver lining of the night. Um, this is a tough one. It's, it's hard to pick a single player and say that guy is deserving of silver lining or player of the game, if you will. But I would have to go with Nick Suzuki in this one. Um, there was some chatter on the interwebs, on the old Twitter.com, about him being you know, overpaid, not being a real 1C. And to that, I would say, look at the context within which he's operating right now. This team is absurdly reliant on that top line to generate offense if they can't generate offense they don't win and we're seeing them more often than not not win and why is that is that because they're bad is that because they can't generate offense i would argue no i would argue because they are so reliant on that top line other teams know that they can throw everything plus the kitchen sink at that top line to stop them from scoring and they know that you can't hurt them anywhere else in the lineup it's that simple if I know that you've got one line, then I know that I can throw whatever I want at that line to stop them, and I'm just going to let the chips fall where they may for the rest of the lineup. I'm not too worried about it. And that's kind of what's happening with the Habs right now. And Nick Suzuki, I feel like he's faring admirably against that kind of pressure. Um, I, I guess there's not a whole ton of pressure on him because he knows that this team is rebuilding right now. He knows that they're you know, at least two maybe three maybe even four years away from really competing so he's just got to kind of plug away and try to hone his craft over the course of those years as the captain of the Montreal Canadiens until they're really ready to compete but I feel like he's faring admirably I mean that goal was like I said big Nick energy manifested that puck shouldn't be going in the net I mean it was a really nice pass by the Hawaii they, they, they ran a nice little give and go at the blue line there um, and it created an opportunity, but realistically, that puck shouldn't be going in the net. He just stuck with it uh, and willed it past the goaltender. It, it, it was a really good piece of, 
you know, offensive hockey, a really good piece of driving the middle of the ice, a uh, really good piece of, of doing so against multiple defenders who are potentially even committing stick infractions against you. I forget who it was, but one guy went hands over hands and he was literally hands over hands. Like he had his stick way up there. Um, there was maybe an argument. I mean, I might have called it a bit of a soft penalty, but there was maybe an argument for uh, for a penalty there. Uh, and he still managed to get that puck into the net. So good on Nick Suzuki. He's your silver lining of the night. Great game from him uh, despite the loss. And uh, what more can you say? I guess what more I could say is what are the opportunities now with the Montreal Canadiens? Jake Evans, I, I hate to say it, Like, this is going to sound like I'm celebrating an injury, but I'm not. I I really feel for him. That's an incredibly unlucky thing to have happen. Um, There's no fault to Brock Nelson on that one. Um, It it sucks to see Jake Evans go down like that. But the way he went down, uh, the way he grimaced, the way he was going off the ice afterwards, I think he's going to be out for a little while. And (laughs) as horrible as this sounds to say, the silver lining in that is that now there's going to be maybe another opportunity for somebody to come up from Laval. And anybody who listens to this podcast, you know I've been advocating for it for a while to bring up more youngsters and find out what can they do, right? We've already seen it with Jesse Alonen. Um, he deserves to be where he is. He looked good again in this game. And now you potentially have the possibility of bringing up another forward. I think, and I've spoken to uh, Jared Book and Scott Matla, our experts at Eyes on the Prize when it comes to the Rocket de Laval, that the next person coming up is probably going to be Raphael Harvey-Pignard. I I know you might think that that is just something where it's, ah, well, of course, the Quebecois guy, but I think realistically he deserves it. He's been playing very well down there. Um, I'd love to see William Trudeau come up at some point as well. I think he's been playing pretty well for the Rocket too, but they need a forward. Um, You can't be going into games with 10, 11 forwards. Uh, They definitely need to bring somebody up if Evans is going to miss serious time. Either that or reactivate Mike Hoffman. But personally... Again, anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while, I think you know I would err towards the side of let's bring up a, uh, a youngster instead of going back to that old well of somebody that we've already seen play many times and who is probably not going to be a part of this team at the other end of the rebuild. But that's just me. I think we got to keep our eyes peeled for the next, uh, you know, couple of days. I don't know if I, I sincerely doubt anybody's going to get called up before tomorrow's game. I think tomorrow it'll be Mike Hoffman back in the lineup for sure. I, I don't see how they're going to get anybody to New York City, uh, you know, overnight here after they just found out and they got to play in the afternoon tomorrow. That'd be pretty rough. But I think the next couple of days afterwards, um, we might see somebody else get called up from the from the rocket and um, we'll see who that ends up being. My money's on Pignard or Harvey Pignard. But we'll find out. Last thing I want to leave you guys on. Um, Once again, in this game, we had an instance of the officials correcting themselves. And I'm honestly stunned. Um, This has happened multiple times in the last, what, month of hockey that that I've actually been able to sit here and talk about good officiating. So what happened was Justin Barron got called for tripping. I forget who it was. Um, I, I want to say. I want to say Sezikis. No, it wasn't Sezikis. Who was it? It was number um, number twenty. Who wears number twenty? Fleming. 
I don't even know who that is, honestly. <laughs> Anyways, Justin Barron got called for tripping, right? They, the ref put his hand up, made the call, called him for tripping. But then the replay clearly showed that actually he stepped on the puck. Uh, Justin Barron never touched his skates with a stick. His, his stick went kind of near there because he was going for the puck. But what actually made him fall was the puck. And the refs came together, so they made the call. Like, he actually went made the signal and everything, and then they came together and they said, there's no penalty, he stepped in the puck. I was fucking floored when I heard that. I was like, wow, you guys actually, again, in in the, within a month of me actually having a whole episode that I almost completely dedicated to good officiating, you've done the same thing, where you actually took an error that you made and corrected it live in a game? Wow, I'm impressed. Um... This may be, because I've seen this too many times this season now to to think that it's just an anomaly, this may be a new era of NHL officiating that's actually coming in where they're not afraid to correct their own errors, where they're not so pompous that they think that they can't make an error. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to speak too hopefully about officiating because I think we all know there's a possibility that I'll be back here tomorrow afternoon yelling about the officials. But this is multiple times in the last month that I've been able to sit here and signal out or single out rather good officiating and and I'm happy to do it this this is great that was another well officiated game I have no complaints they did a very good job and that's what I'm going to leave you on today what are we running we're running uh well almost 18 minutes so c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.